When I got home, Dad had a finger in someone's eye and another in their ear. I dropped my bag on the floor of the studio. So, who is it this time? Guess. I stared at the clay shape in front of him and shook my head. I never got it right. Then Dad got all offended, said it was a shame I couldn't share his artistic vision, and started jabbing disturbingly at the face with his sharp little tools. The problem was, there didn't seem to be anyone who shared Dad's artistic vision, including the tourists he stopped on Main Street because they had such interesting heads. When Dad presented them with their clay head, which always managed to look both like them but not, as if they were slightly out of focus or something, they nodded thoughtfully. They took a step back, sometimes two, and said things like, Oh, how interesting, and, well, you've certainly put a lot of work into it, and, what's that lumpy bit on the side there? Then they checked their watches and muttered something about not much space in the car, and wouldn't last two minutes around the kids, and, no, no, you keep it, and, oh, please, I insist. Usually, the heads ended up in our backyard. Their weird angles and smashed features staring out from bushes and long grass and the forks of gum trees, like some kind of creepy zombie museum. I studied the misshapen lump of clay. Was it even a head yet? Maybe that bit in the middle was a nose. On the other hand, it could just be a blob Dad had left there by accident. I grinned and shook my head. Dad sat back on his stool and sighed. I probably shouldn't be doing this now anyway. He motioned at the mess of half-finished work piled around us, all the pots and plates and other touristy knickknacks he was supposed to be getting ready for the summer tourist season. He had to finish the firing and the glazing. Then he had to get it all into town, packing it carefully so it wouldn't shatter on the way, or develop hairline cracks that would give the tourists who wandered into the country crafts gift shop a reason to bargain down the price. Dad clapped his clay-caked hands together and stood up slowly from his stool, wincing as his knees clicked in protest. Nearly dinner time. I'd better wash up. Yeah. I bent down to unzip my bag. My damp towel was balled up in there. I needed to hang it up before Mom came along to issue her gentle reminder. Dad glanced at me. How was your swim? Okay, I shrugged. Seven. Seven? He let out a low whistle. Yuck. Tell me about it. I followed him out the door and down the hall. In the kitchen, Mom was stirring a thick soup on the stove. Did you do your six? I slid into my chair. Yep. Okay. Yep. She turned. Hang your towel. Yep. Good. She smiled. Hey, Cass, check this out. Hannah was at the table, her work satchel hanging over the back of the chair. Her laptop sat open in front of her, precariously balanced on a pile of papers. She reached underneath it and pulled the top sheet from the pile. It was a newspaper article, faded and brittle-looking, as if it might flake into tiny pieces at any moment. I glanced down at the date. It was old. Twelve years old, in fact. There was a headline. 
Welcome to New Lower Grange, and a grainy black-and-white photo, two people holding a bundle of something. Two familiar people. Mom with a tired smile, Dad with a deer-in-the-headlights expression. A bundle of me. Hannah grinned. I was just telling Mom. She made air quotes with her fingers. First baby born in New Lower Grange. You're going to be in it, Cass. I stared at her. Me? I didn't need to look at Hannah's laptop to know what she was working on. It was the centenary book. Everyone in town knew about it. In the first place, it was that kind of town. So small, everyone couldn't help but know everyone else's business. In the second place, this was the biggest news.